0: Interesting. A lot of these, a lot of these boomers are also buyers of businesses as well. They may have exited one business or, or they may have, they've just retired from corporate life, but feel like, you know, they want to keep active or busy, or, you know, there's an opportunity to, to do something for the next decade. And so 12% of our buyers actually identify as recently retired boomers themselves. Um, which makes sense. They have capital, they have experienced life experiences. Welcome to Paychecks Thrive, a business podcast where you'll hear timely insights to help you navigate marketplace dynamics and propel your business
1: forward. Here's your host, Gene Marks. Hey, everybody, it's Gene Marks, and thanks again for joining us here on the Paychecks Thrive podcast. Happy to have you here, whether you're listening or you're watching us online. I am here today with Bob House. Bob is the president of Biz Buy Sell, that is biz, B-I-Z-B-U-Y-S-E-L-L dot com. Uh, it is a website that I have been a fan of and a reader of for many, many years. I have stolen so much content from Biz Buy Sell over the years <laughs> to use in presentations I've given or things that I've written. Uh, where I, I do give credit where credit is due, Bob, but it's 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 really it's just a great site for anybody looking to buy or sell a business. So uh, first of all, thank you for doing that and, and thank you for joining us again. Uh, you were here for the first season and we're glad to have you back.
0: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: But how long have you been doing this? Like, give me a little history of BizBuySell.
0: Sure. Well, BizBuySell was started back in the mid 90s, but I've not been involved that long. I joined uh, about 11 years ago um, and have essentially been kind of uh, the leading the business unit, um, BizBuySell, as well as our other marketplaces. We have BizQuest, which is another business for sale marketplace, and we distribute our listings on other uh, locations online across a network of sites. Uh, including LoopNet, which is part of our uh, sister site, we're part of the CoStar Group. So I've been doing this for eleven years, and uh, but yeah, all around this business this for sale marketplace and ecosystem.
1: That's great. I'm just kind of curious. Um, tell me a little bit about BizQuest and LoopNet. Like, what is I wasn't even aware of these because I get too wrapped up in biz by sale. What, what, sure. How are you guys related to each other?
0: Sure. Well, we're part of CoStar Group, which is the leader in uh, digital real estate, uh, both uh, data. As well as marketplaces. And so, uh, Coaster has a number of marketplaces, including the business for sale marketplaces. Uh, LoopNet is a commercial real estate marketplace, the leading commercial real estate marketplace. And there's a lot of small business owners and, and entrepreneurs on LoopNet looking for their next space. So there's all kinds of commercial spaces available for, for sale or for lease. And because of that, we also include our business for sale listings on that marketplace as well. BizQuest is the number two marketplace of business for sale here in the United States and uh, it's just another uh, brand and uh, you know user experience, a little bit different look and feel, but really a lot of the same listing content, some different content and information available to those users and just cast a wider net because, again, we are really about aggregating the largest audience of entrepreneurs and business uh, buyers and owners and brokers and create an ecosystem that serves that audience across the, uh, the, the web.
1: Makes sense. Um, so if I, I visit, we'll stick with biz by sell, although I obviously, you know, biz sounds like it's very, very similar, but, um, on biz by sell, what am I, I actually know the answer to this question, but I'm going to have you share this with our audience. <laughs> like, what are we getting when we visit your sites? What's there? Well, you're getting the,
0: the most inventory of business opportunities for sale, uh, established business opportunities, closed or, you know, asset sales, uh, franchise uh, resales or new franchise opportunities, all kinds of small business opportunities. Uh, We get the most supply, 65,000 active listings across our uh, site over the course of the year. And certainly the most active marketplace in terms of traffic. We have 4 million monthly visits to our uh, network of sites and just a lot of activity. So that results in transactions. We have also a lot of uh, sold comps of sold businesses that you can uh, which you know is part of the insight report that we do quarterly and tells you know trends in the marketplace of what's happening and where sale prices are going or multiples are going, et cetera. But you're going to find a lot of listings, ability to search and find th- those opportunities, set alerts to get notified when new opportunities that meet your criteria come available in the marketplace, as well as a lot of content around how to navigate the buy sell process, and tools, tools to help you value and determine appropriate values for businesses so that you uh, have a, a, a good basis for what might be overpriced or underpriced.
1: I, um, I consider your site like, you know, the Zillow for, you know, businesses. And I don't know if that's, you know, if you take that positively or negatively, I have a very positive outlook on Zillow. I just, you know, I just, I, I feel like it's, similar to that, you know, for for that market. is that Does that make sense to you at all? Well,
0: I would say the homes.com of, which is another co-star property. So we've now uh, entered the residential uh, real estate space as well. So that's a competitor to Zillow. Got it. But I I know what you mean.
1: Yeah, it's a similar type of thing. And by the way, just as a little business idea for you. So I follow an account on Instagram called Zillow Gone Wild. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but somebody takes like a crazy listing on Zillow um, and posts on Instagram. One where like, you know, you're, it's all like seems normal, 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 normal. And then they have like a basement that's like, you know, a pool or something. You're like, you know, something like, what was that? And, uh, you know, and and I heard actually that it's really, it, it's driven a lot of traffic there. And I was just thinking like, you know, a biz by sell gone wild, um, would be an interesting Instagram account where you could take just some really unique business, you know, that's out there that would surprise people when they're looking at it, um, and say that it's featured on the site. So
0: yeah, we've done that to some extent, but featuring interesting businesses is definitely fun. And there's some really unique businesses out there that, that are on the platform. If you search, you'll 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 find them or come across them occasionally. And yeah, they're definitely great for a driving engagement and clicks when we put those in our newsletters.
1: It's a lot of fun. Interesting. And I don't want to put you on the spot, but I mean, did anything come to mind like over the past 10 years, has there been anything like super unique that you're like, wow, that was a real, you know, that that was an unusual one.
0: Well, one does come to mind because we, we featured it in in a kind of company uh, all hands meeting. It was a really interesting uh, invention of a kind of a wheel, a wheelchair for, you know, the, people that need kind of wheelchair access, but it was all terrain. So it kind of looked like a tank, um, but you know, so it was like, you know, the wheelchair that could basically tackle anything like a Jeep and a wheelchair put together. Um, so, you know, there's just stuff like that, you know, there's just, you know, that's probably serving a real, Useful need, and there's a niche there that there's an interesting business.
1: I agree. You know, it's providing equal opportunity access for soldiers all around the world, despite their handicaps, you know, and uh, soldiers or
0: even those that just want to go on an outdoor adventure (laughs) need a little more uh, uh,
1: traction, I guess. Fair enough. That does sound good. Uh, Okay. Let's, let's talk some business on BizBuySell. So, um, you know, we're here, we're having this conversation. It's, it's near the end of the summer, early fall of 2023. Give us a state of the market of the, uh, the, the M&A marketplace.
0: Sure. Well, you know, uh, still rebounding and recovering from the pandemic. Um, we are almost back to where we were kind of in 2019 in terms of transaction volume. But certainly, when the pandemic hit, a lot of these small businesses ended up shutting down for a short period or having to restrict their operations. And we saw obviously a pullback in the marketplace, both in terms of deal deal volume as well as kind of the uh, what people were willing to pay. But more or less a pause. And then you know coming out with a PPP and, and all kinds of a, you know a stimulus to to restart things. Things have been kind of consistently getting better quarter over quarter. For the most part, um, on a long-term trajectory, there's some variance here and there, quarter to quarter. But overall, the trend has been up. And so now we're back. You know, we had 8% more transactions in the most recent quarter compared to the previous quarter. The previous quarter was up again over the previous quarter. Uh, Q1 was up over Q4. And we're still a little bit behind 2019, but not by much, less than 5%. Um, So in terms of deal volume, um, pricing... uh, has had been you know business performance has been strong and in, in generally increasing revenues of the increasing of these businesses profits as well um there's not there's been certainly some challenges but for the most part improving business performance uh, the the new wrinkle is you know these the sale prices of these businesses are now starting to look like they're being affected by the rising cost of capital right so it's going
1: so, to ask you, you know the that.
0: fact that you know it's it's more expensive to to make the purchase. The buyer has to have some headroom, has to come with some more money down, has to have a little more buffer, and that's being uh, reflected in uh, a slight reduction in some of the sale prices. In fact, they were down 14% in uh, over what they were in Q1.
1: Fascinating that the you know interest itself, interest rates. I mean, you know, listen. I mean, interest rates was like three and a half percent like a year and a half ago. And now it's you know eight and a half percent. It's like a huge jump in a short amount of time. And um I, what I see among my client base is like it's it's starting to have its effect. like it takes a while for this kind of thing to be absorbed by the market. And now I have you know I have clients of mine that are going out for uh, property loans or equipment loans or even to buy another you know company and they're trying to get financing from you know banks that you know, only the best get prime. so they're you know they're looking at nine and a half percent, ten percent even you know of interest rates and it is starting to become uh, an issue with them whether or not it, the deals make sense. And I guess that's what you're seeing as well as the, I mean, you mentioned that selling price has been affected. That's, which is kind of a bummer that it would have an impact on, on a sales price. I mean, don't you think that, or have you seen other types of, you know, uh, you know strategies to try and get a deal done rather than just impacting the selling price? I mean, more seller finance notes or, you know, absolutely. Right?
0: Yeah. So deal financing gets more creative as, as Cost of capital goes up as lending gets more restrictive. Um, you know, definitely seller financing becomes a bigger part of the deal, and so seller financing is pretty common now. It's interesting to see how it's changed over the years. I mean, it was it was really critical after the Great Recession, and then as as we came out in this you know ultra low interest rate environment, it kind of was not really so uh prevalent. Right. And now it's back to being prevalent. Like you know, not maybe not quite at the level of the Great Recession, but it's certainly important. In fact, most um buyers, 70% according to our survey of, of buyers, say that they're gonna ask for seller financing and fifty five percent of them say it's very important. There's a little mismatch on the sell side where owners are hmm. a little less <laughs> likely thrilled about that doing that. that. <laughs> um but it can help them actually because, uh, you know, it can actually increase the overall sale prices where creative deal financing comes into place. And, you know, you can defer some of your tax uh, you know, gain by taking a, a seller note. And with the current interest rates, you know, you can get a good return on that. And it just, you know, it, it, it brings, you know, lenders are wanting it, uh, the buyers want it, you know, business owners and then kind of selling owners standing by the performance of that business. And the likelihood that uh, obviously that buyer is going to be able to continue to make payments to, to not only the bank, but the sellers, the, sell- the exiting owner.
1: Right. I kind of see it as an opportunity for a seller, mainly because um, you can do seller financing and still maintain you know, your higher price. Uh, your 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 buyer is asking for this. Fair enough. Um, but you can make that rate, you know, if possible variable um, and tie it to the prime rate or another interest rate, you know, LIBOR or something like that mainly because, you know, it's, it's the general consensus that although interest rates might go up a tick more, you know, most of the markets feel that we're, we're, we're at a high when it comes to interest rates that it's can't go up that much more and, and most likely will start coming down. So if you're a seller, you know, you can almost have your cake and eat it. You know, you can get that higher price and then as interest rates come down, if you're, if your financing deal is, you know, is, is, you know, pin to a rate, that'll go down as well. Do you know what I mean? So, yep. you know, you know, it, it, it could benefit. And I, I don't know if you see that or if sellers consider that kind of thing. Is that the kind of stuff that BizBuySell advises on even, you know, like, do you get involved? Well, we, don't,
0: in we don't advise, we have a lot of content. You know, we're not hmm. really involved in these transactions, right? We're not involved in them. They're, they're between the selling party and the buying party. And, right. and they're professionals that are involved in the transaction, often a business broker or intermediary. But, um, but what we have is content and information. And we have a lot of brokers who actually author content and are experts in doing well, these sure. deals. And we put it on our site and uh, you can go read about that. And so there's lots been written about seller financing. And the, the benefits, you know, there are benefits to the seller, even though only maybe third, a third of them or less think they're going to offer it. Um, it's probably from a lack of understanding of it, the reasons behind doing it and the benefits to them as well. Getting a higher... Overall price, deferring gains, things like that.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Uh, you know, and on top of all of that, I know a lot of you know a lot of um, sellers of businesses. You know, not only do they have a an inflated version of what their value of their business is a lot of the time, but also you know they're they want to just get a check and walk away and start playing golf. And I, you know, I don't think that's reality nowadays. I mean, do you find most? of these transactions involving the seller staying on for a period of time to, you know, to, to enable that, that transaction being completed?
0: You know, again, I, we wouldn't have the best insight into this, not really doing the deals ourselves. Right. But uh, the, the, the brokers that we work with tell us that it is common uh, that certainly the, the buyer wants that sometimes the seller has a hard time letting go of their business. Right. And, certainly wants you know most of them have a very high desire it's not just like give me the highest price let me you know get a check and leave like they care about their employees they care about their customers they care about the legacy of their businesses and it's about finding the right buyer and setting them up for success right so because part of that setting up for success is that transition period i think a lot of owners are involved for a period post-transaction
1: do you guys get involved at all in, in employee ownership plans? Is that Or is that just a transaction that is not part of your, your, of your universe?
0: Again, the, the buying entity can be anybody. You know, yeah. it, it, it could be uh, uh, an individual business owner. I mean, we have, I think, 26% of the buyers on our survey indicated they're former C-suite executives. So that's a common buyer type. A lot of times these are buyers, you know, buying an income stream or a business that they can then build equity in as well as draw an income from and with the, you know, idea that they can sell it someday. So a lot of individual operators, as you get to bigger businesses or the better businesses, you'll see, you know, strategic buyers and and private equity groups come in looking to, to buy these assets, but it could also be employee groups. Again, we don't we don't get into a lot of the details of, of who actually bought the business, but yes, this is an emerging area. There's been a number of companies that have been trying to help employee ownership. Um, and it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting subject uh, and, and, and you know, I think it would be great for our country if there's more employee ownership.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know, I did a piece on ESOPs for the Philly Inquirer and I did another one for the Chicago Daily Herald. So I interviewed a couple dozen businesses, both in the Chicago and the Philly areas, who sold to their employees. And there's a lot of misconceptions about ESOPs that people don't realize. You don't have to sell your whole business. It can be a portion of your business. There's some incredible tax incentives for doing it. But what you just said was exactly right. I mean, it's it's a great benefit to employees. It gives them a little skin in the game. And I've just seen not only is it increased in popularity among, you know, among companies, but I gotta tell you, Bob, like of all the people I interviewed, like not a single one said it wasn't the best decision they made for their business. I mean, they loved it, yeah. you know? So you know, I'm, I'm betting we'll see more of those, you know, in the, in the years to come. Um, I, I, I have so many questions for you. Let's talk demographics a little bit. Everyone talks about the silver tsunami. Um, you know the, the average age of the U.S. small business owner, according to the Small Business Administration, is fifty-five. Um, so we ain't getting any younger. It's obviously, succession planning is big on a lot of people's minds. Um, give me your thoughts on that. I mean, does, does, I mean, it, it seems inevitable that we're going to be seeing more transactions of businesses being bought and sold over the next ten to fifteen years, and I imagine you're thinking the same thing.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody's been waiting for the tsunami to kind of arrive and hit. It's, it's, I think a more of a gradual swelling. It it certainly provides constant supply for our, our marketplace. And there's, there's plenty of, uh, you know, businesses to, to choose from out there. But I do think in the next decade, we'll see even more come to market by necessity. You know, they need to be transitioned one way or another. Um, Interesting. A lot of these, a lot of these boomers are also buyers of businesses as well. They they may have exited one business or, or they may have, may have just retired from corporate life, but feel like, you know, they want to keep active or busy, or, you know, there's an opportunity to, to do something for the next decade. And so 12% of our buyers actually identify as recently retired boomers themselves. Um, which makes sense. They have capital, they have uh, experience, life experiences, but, um, yeah, the, you know, it's, there's been a lot written about it, and uh, I, I'm sure we'll see a lot more supply coming on the marketplace out of necessity. And I'm just out of, I think there's an, also on the buy side, I think there's a lot more interest in, in, uh, you know, entrepreneurship through acquisition. And, you know, a lot of the, even the younger uh, entrepreneurs are seeing it as a safer route to to business ownership than trying to start the next Twitter or Facebook or whatever. You start from scratch. Um take something and build on it and grow it and you know that's what we've always preached here that your chances of success taking over something that's already got customers and revenue and profit and trained employees and all that and and building on it is much greater than starting from scratch where nobody knows about you
1: yeah it makes complete sense to do that and um it's kind of advice i've always given whenever i speak to younger people they want to start up their business and i'm like you know I mean, most business ideas are pretty much thought of by now. I realize the Ubers and the Airbnbs are gonna come their way. That's fine. But boy, there's so many existing businesses that are out there that if you you know, if you know the industry, you've had some experience in the industry and you buy this business, you make it your own. You know, it's like it's like you learn that, that you know, you can take an existing idea and improve on it. And you know, and here you've got the infrastructure, you know, to do that, which is interesting. Do you think it's become I mean you mentioned earlier about, you know, 12% of boomers, you know, or, or people that are recently retired have bought into businesses. Do, do you think it's easier buying a business now than it was when you started? How long have you been doing this again? You've been involved with I've been it? doing
0: it for 11 years. 11 years. I think it is getting easier. There's there's, there's getting uh, more, you know, information and uh, transparency and valuation resources and um, familiarity with this opportunity. So I do think it's getting easier. I think it will continue to get easier. Uh, we're we're certainly on a mission to make it easier. I mean, we're trying to really serve the marketplace, make it easier for owners to to list or find a, a professional to help sure. them go through that process, and, and make it easier for buyers to, you know, reach out and, and connect and and kind of go forward in the deal.
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I do think so as well. Um, of the transactions that you have seen, uh, you know, I, usually, is it true that the grand majority still wind up being asset transactions versus stock transactions? Like, I don't, I don't come across a lot of, again, of my client base, people I talk to that that buy stock of another company only because of the liabilities that they have to inherit and issues like that. And I'm curious if if that makes sense to you as well, or if you're seeing that in your numbers.
0: Yeah, they're they're definitely ongoing concerns and established businesses, but they are often they're usually structured as an asset sale yeah. for those for a couple of reasons. One is that liability, remove that liability. Second is just the licensing required by the intermediaries. You know, when you're doing doing stock sales now, you're talking about SEC licensing, and you know, business brokers typically aren't under that kind of licensing, so um, they'll be structured as an asset sale for that reason as well. Um, but, you know, and and, and again, we're, we're biz by sell has businesses that are valued from tens of thousands to tens of millions. And, you know, in the main street deals, which are typically enterprise value under two million. Um, those those are those are smaller deals that where, you know, they'll be structured as an asset sale. When you when you get into bigger deals and you're getting to lower middle market and you're getting into like. Boutique investment banking and, and and that kind of thing. Then you're going to see more stock sales and partial ownership transfers and investment rounds and things like that. But in the mainstream sector, it's you don't see a lot of it.
1: What are your thoughts on multipliers? I mean, you 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 know you you publish data on you know multiples of revenue or profits that companies have gotten historically when they sell themselves, and um, and I'm curious. What are your thoughts is that is, is that a metric that you like or that you would feel confident in using and if you were out there to buy a company?
0: We feel very confident in it because we've been tracking this data since 2007. Yeah. And it's remarkable how consistent the multiples are over time and over different economic cycles. Hmm. Um you know, the, the so the multiples are, you know, typically either of, of EBITDA. For 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 the you know the, the bigger businesses.
1: That, and by the way, don't tell you know, Warren Buffett that. Okay, he's not a big fan. But keep going. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and And uh, if we call it a SDE, seller discretionary earnings for Main Street. Better. It's really about the you know you have to add back all the things that business owners do to reduce taxes, um, and come up with a true profit, kind of pre-tax profit earning capability of the business. And there's a multiple on that. Those have been fairly consistent, you know, two point three of multiple of EBITDA kind of across time. It'll go up to two point six, it'll come back down to two point two, but you know, it's always in that kind of range. Obviously, the bigger the bigger the business, the bigger the enterprise, the bigger the multiple. So as you get you know these more valuable businesses, you'll see multiples four or five, you know, even higher sometimes. But but the businesses on our platform because we capture the sold data from, from, from the brokers who are using our service are, are consistently in that range. Um, and, and this is how kind of small businesses are typically traded.
1: And what industries are you seeing getting you know, the, the hottest as it is, or that are, uh, receiving those higher multiples or a bit receiving an increase in demand?
0: Well, um, restaurants have bounced back quite strongly. They um, after being hammered during the the pandemic, you know, they've pivoted in incredible ways that industry has now figured out mobile on-demand ordering and takeout and delivery. And a lot of them have expanded their footprints through the expansion to outdoor spaces. And then I here in the West Coast, they've kind of all kept that some of these restaurants that were entirely operating indoors with a t- tiny patio now have this massive footprint. So um, there's interest in a lot of transactions are are happening. In fact, I think they were up uh, uh, 10% um, in the most recent quarter over the previous quarter. So uh, that's one category. Service businesses are always popular. There's just that recurring revenue stream that, and, and and there's such a broad category across so many different Service categories that, yeah, as a as a as a group, they're they're always of interest, and and we've seen great financial performance out of that category over the last five years. Um, as you know, median revenue, and median cash flow of those kind of businesses has marched upwards on our platform. So those are the two that come to mind.
1: Good, that's good. All right, we're almost we're almost done here, uh, but I I got to ask you. I mean, you know, particularly after the first time that we spoke, and now that we're speaking now, knowing all of your knowledge. So I'm sure you're going to work for biz by self for the rest of your professional life. You're happy there. It's all good. It's all fine. But let's just say hypothetically that you decide to turn in the keys and leave the company and you're going to start your own business. So based on what you've seen, and when I say start, you're going to buy a business. Um, what, what type of business or industry you know would 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 you be interested in buying into and more importantly more importantly based on everything that you have seen and read and done with biz by self share with us what you've what what, what you've learned what would you do if you're buying this business based on what you have learned how would you go about well that's really
0: interesting i mean i love what i do here so that's why i've been here for as long as i have been. and
1: you'll continue to be there i'm sure yeah <laughs> but just like uh, that
0: it's it's fun <laughs> to serve this community of uh of uh entrepreneurs and help them you know we we feel really proud to be a part of helping owners exit and helping buyers you know chase their dream um probably the next closest thing for that and we all joke about you know we're gonna all be business brokers or intermediaries when we retire because <laughs> then you can stay involved in it and yes. you can actually get closer to it and really work with these and and you can buy these businesses too i mean you can buy into a franchise you can Start your own. You can buy an existing one.
1: An existing, Um, you're saying, like a business broker, as you're saying, right? A business broker, yeah. 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 business broker
0: business. And and brokerage agencies and various agencies are for sale on the platform, too. You can buy insurance agencies and other types of... uh, you know, service related businesses.
1: So let me, so, so I'll push you on that. Business brokerage is a great industry to buy into. Obviously there's going to be no shortage of, of transactions. And there are people that are superstars and people that are not as great. It's like anything else. So say you decide like, you know, I'm going to, you know, you know, I'm Bob house. I'm going to open up the Bob house business brokerage agency, but I'm going to buy an existing agency and make it better. Um, What would you, you know, what would you do if you were to buy? Like, you know, based on everything that you've learned from this site, Um, what mistakes maybe would you avoid? We're saying when I buy this, I'm definitely gonna make sure I do this, this, and this to make sure I get the best deal possible.
0: Yeah, well, uh it's again, it's not gonna happen, but if it were to happen, (laughs) you know, I think in general, like we're seeing the industry mature and and improve through a lot of work through the, you know, International Business Broker Association. Mm -hmm. I think we're trying to play a role in helping. Uh, standardize and professionalize the education and certification of business brokers. But there are some great brokers out there. And then there are some brokers that, you know, haven't frankly had have the training that they should have to to be really a, a, a good representative for uh, a good agent for their, the, their their seller or the buyer. You know, I guess I would, um, I would make sure, you know, to be very responsive to clients on both sides of the transaction, whether I'm representing my seller or any interested buyer. Sometimes the buyers can not get the service that they, uh, I think, merit. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, you may specialize specialized in a particular uh, industry, and I, I don't know what that industry is, but okay. um, a lot of brokerages tend to be uh, generalists because then you can take on any deal. But uh, I might find a more of a niche and, and pursue that.
1: It's great. That is a great answer. Bob House is the president of BizBuySell, dot B-I-Z-B-U-Y-S-E-L-L.com. And also there are some related sites as well. Uh, Bob, thank you very much for your time and your insights. It's great. Um, Of course, we're going to have you back again in the future to give us an update on the market. But this is very, very interesting stuff and I think will be very relevant to our listeners and viewers. So thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me again, Gene. Do you have a topic or a guest that you would like to hear on Thrive? Please let us know. Visit payx.me forward slash Thrive Topics and send us your ideas or matters of interest. Also, if your business is looking to simplify your HR, payroll, benefits, or insurance services, see how Paychex can help. Visit the resource hub at paychex.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. Paychex can help manage those complexities while you focus on all the ways you want your business to thrive. I'm your host, Gene Marks, and thanks for joining us. Till next time, take care.
0: This podcast is property of Paychecks Incorporated 2023, all rights reserved.